This is Dr. Marv Rosberg of the Safaris of Image of a Girl fame, and I'd like to welcome you to this show, The Anatomy of a Hit, the show that will give you the inside story of a hit from its birth to its development to it reaching the charts. Today we will be diagnosing a fantastic recording by the late Richie Valens. classic songs of the late 1950s. Before we discuss the song written by Richie Valens from the beginning to his untimely death in the plane crash that took his life as well as the lives of Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper, let's take a look at his short life. Richie Valens was born and raised in Pacoima, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles and he attended Pacoima Junior High School. Richie was very well liked in junior high. In fact, here's one of the former classmates of Richie's describing him in junior high school. He was heavier, he was always a lively. There wasn't anybody that he wasn't friendly with. He was well liked by everyone. I don't think anybody had a dislike on him. Richie was no square. He loved to party and play his guitar for the guests. Listen. His first girlfriend, Donna, was living in San Fernando. I remember I was driving over here to the Jolo West tracks with one of my girlfriends to, to the parties. Everybody knew there was going to be a party, so I'm driving. And he would be always with his, everywhere he went, he was always with his guitar. And I said, hey, Richie, come on, jump in the car. And he's, you know, we had little side things in the Model A cars. He'd, jump up there and hold on to his guitar and just hold on to the car and we'd drive over here and go to parties. Oh, little cute Richie, he lived on the next street over. Everybody liked Richie, he was always happy. He was a little heavy set boy that was always have a smile on his face. Richie not only liked to play the guitar and play rock and roll, but he loved playing the blues. Here's a former friend of Richie's reminiscing about Richie's guitar playing. I went to school with him, yeah, yeah, and I knew him very well. As a matter of fact, he used to go over his house and listen to him play the guitar. He loved to play the blues, so we used to go there and, and uh, he would uh, play the guitar and, and, and sing all the black blues songs, you know. This is an interesting piece of trivia. Richie Valens tried to join a band in junior high school. Here's a neighbor explaining what actually happened. Richie stayed right across the street. I lived on Fillmore, Richie lived on Fillmore. There was a band out here, ran by a fellow named Chico and uh, Conrad Jones. They thought that Richie would bring them down. They thought that he wasn't cool enough for them. 
You can never see a stranger look on anybody's face. When Richie got the record contract, that was funny. He was the one that got success after they had put him out of their band. There was an incident that happened at the school that really affected Richie. In 1957, there was a tragic plane crash at Pacoima Junior High that killed eight students and injured 75. Two planes collided and fell on the playground while school was on recess. Eyewitnesses to the crash still remember it vividly. Here's a student who was on the schoolyard when that terrible accident happened. I was in high school when the plane crashed. I think it was lunchtime. Everybody was out for lunch and we were looking up and when I seen the wing fall off the plane, I said, no, it ain't gonna land. <laughs> and then it went down and I seen a puff of smoke, you know. Then later on we found out that it was at the Pacoima Junior High School and they were doing their practice for graduation in the auditorium. And the, and the plane just missed the auditorium. It hit the gym field. And a lot of the kids that were out on the gym field, the ones that got hurt. Some say it was a premonition about the airplane crash, for Richie had a fear of flying and was somewhat traumatized by the event. But because of his career starting to take off, he did get used to flying. And who would think they would lose his own life in an airplane? Richie was always afraid of planes, always. He never wanted to ride a plane. He was forced to ride the planes. It was sad. The song Donna, Richie wrote for his girlfriend Donna Ludwig. They shared two and a half years of memories and hearts forever at Vacoima Junior High School. Here is Donna explaining how they actually met. Oh, Donna, oh, Donna. I met Richie um, in 1957 at a car club party. We just started talking and he sang to me and uh, well, I didn't see him the rest of the summer until I went back to school and um, we started seeing one another. Donna and Richie dated but Donna's father had a problem with their relationship. Donna explains. My father um, had a real problem with it because he was Hispanic. I mean, he wouldn't even sit down and talk to Richie. And I felt that if he did, he would see what a nice boy he was. Richie started to write a song for Donna, and he called her up to tell her about it. There's Donna explaining that conversation. Called me on the telephone, and um, he said, I, I wrote a song for you. And he sang the first part of Donna. And of course, I cried. And, you know, it, it was just very, very touching. And he didn't tell me he was going to record it. He um, told me that when we get married, he just like took it for granted. He said, well, when we get married, we'll have a huge case full of all my gold records. Do you know what a demo was in those days? It was just like a demonstration of what the song was like. And we're going to now hear... Richie Valens, after he finished the song with just his guitar, making a demonstration record to present it to the record company that it should be recorded. 
The song was released nationally in late October 1959. Donna heard the song for the first time on the car radio. She couldn't believe it. Her girlfriends went crazy when the disc jockey played it again. After the song was a hit, Richie returned to Pacoima Junior High and did a concert. Here's how that arrangement happened. Uh, I was in the journalism class here at Pacoima Junior High School, and we were trying to sell the annual. Um, sales weren't too good, so we decided we'd bribe the students with a concert of uh, Richie Valens and another uh, singing group, John and Judy. So I contacted the artists and asked them if they would perform, and the results were the assembly that occurred here on December 10, 1958. At that performance in the school auditorium, the principal gave a little talk about what he found when he was oh, wandering the schoolyard during lunchtime. At noontime, we used to walk around the campus, make sure we didn't have any problems, no fights, stuff like that. Walking around by the lunch area, I see a big crowd. I said, uh-oh, here we go again. I'm going to have to break up another fight. As I came in behind him, there was this good-looking fella strumming on that instrument and singing. It's the first time I have ever heard Richie sing. And looking at all the kids around him, they were all thrilled. And they said, is it okay? Because we didn't allow crowds, you know. I says, you bet your life it's okay. Here is a student introducing Richie before he went on stage. Now, a success story of one of last year's graduates from Pacoima. His first record sold over a million copies, and Donna, his newest release, is backed by a terrific song called La Bamba. Now, presenting Richie Valens. Now let's hear Richie singing at the school, Pacoima Junior High. The next song I'll do for you is named Donna. Gone. 
death, Donna said that Richie was her first true love and her first experience losing someone she loved. She said Richie was truly a great guy, kind and polite. She said he liked to dress well and always look good. And she said she still remembers his aftershave, Old Spice. (laughs) Donna also mentioned she was welcomed into Richie's family home. And after Richie's death, she was a great comfort to the Valens family. Donna Ludwig, who later became Donna Fox, became a branch manager of a mortgage business in Sacramento. Her relationship with Richie Valens continued to affect her life, and she's still close to Richie Valens' siblings. Richie agreed to go on this long tour in the Midwest, and it was a tour from hell. Here is Richie on the radio doing a commercial to fans in North Dakota to come and see him perform. Hi everybody, this is Richie Valens. I will be on the Winter Dance Party coming your way very shortly. I will be having a ball singing for you, and I hope to see you all real soon. By the way, hope you have been hearing a lot of my latest Delphi release, La Bamba and Donna. Playing the hottest hits of the past for today's coolest listeners. RememberThenRadio.com The tour was no fun. Here is Dion, formerly of Dion in the Belmonts, who was also on the tour, explaining how cold it was that it reached a point where Buddy Holly told him that he couldn't take it anymore and was going to charter a plane. We were always cold, and it was the dead of winter, 30 below zero at some of the, you know, some nights with the wind chill factor and everything. It was cold. No problem until the bus started breaking down. And it broke down quite a bit. And uh, in a blinding blizzard, I mean, four in the morning, Buddy starts getting, I'm chartering a plane. Now, Dion talked about Richie Valens on the tour and what Richie tried to do to get through it. We're driving down a road, crisscrossing the upper Midwest, 
tree branches a snapping in the wind. I mean, it was freezing. Richie Valance was freezing. I got to tell you, Richie came from the barrio in the San Fernando Valley. He never saw weather so cold. Uh, I got to tell you this one thing, though. The night before, uh, Richie, who was Richie Valance, who was so cold, so, so sick, uh, and, and kind of looked forlorn, you know. He was a sweet guy. And uh, I remember, you know, he's talking to his mom backstage, uh, you know, on the payphone. Mom, I'm cold, I'm this, I'm, I miss you guys. And uh, his mom just had, he had talked to her a few times. She's telling, and, you know, gets me on the phone one of the nights, and she's saying, uh, Dion, take care of my little boy. He was no little boy. He was, he looked like Rocky Marciano. But, I mean, he wasn't a tough guy, but he, he was no little boy. She's saying, take care of him. He was only 17. And I remember maybe in Duluth, he got a, a box, a cardboard box with a clothesline, uh, you know, wrapped in clothesline, and it was like, sort of, it looked like a peacoat, but it wasn't a peacoat. It was, looked like a peacoat with, with sparkles on it, you know, and he, uh, his mom sent him a coat because even in Tipton, he wouldn't buy anything. I don't know. He was, he, I guess he was used to his mom buying his clothes. I, I'm not sure. But she sent him a coat. Here is a further description by an announcer explaining the real conditions to the public. To add to the crappy conditions, the musicians were forced to travel on reconditioned school buses, not good enough for school kids, according to Griggs. The buses were unheated and driving through the bitterly cold winters of Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa over icy roads took its toll on the vehicles and its passengers. Griggs estimates that five separate buses were used in the first 11 days of the tour. And all of a sudden the bus stopped. The driver said, the bus is frozen. The musicians huddled together under blankets, burned newspapers in the aisle of the bus, drank shots, and told each other stories. It was so cold, Holly's drummer Carl Bunch suffered frostbite in his feet and subsequently missed the next tour date, Holly's last. These hellish travel conditions would be what drove Holly to chartering an airplane on the night of February 3rd. Dion explained that the plane Buddy chartered had only two additional passengers who could take the airplane trip. There are various stories about the famous coin flip that decided who would be going on the plane. But here is the true story from Tommy Alsop, the bass player, who gave up his seat to Richie Valens on the plane in a very unique way. So I went back out to the station wagon and told Buddy, I said, I'm, I'm not going, Rick, me and Richie flipped a coin. He's going to my place. Buddy said, that's cool. But I said, but when you go to the post office, my mother sent me a letter. Back then, you sent it to general delivery, you know. But he said, give me some ID. So I took my wallet out fishing around for my fishing license or something that had the ID on the driver's license. And he said, I'll just give me your wallet. So he took it and he put it in his inside pocket. Well, the next, when they found the bodies the next morning, they found five wallets with five different IDs. So they had my name on the Associated Press as one of the people in the plane. Then Mr. Anderson came out there and he said, uh, I talked to him a few years ago, and he said, I came out there and identified the bodies for me. Here is a radio broadcast announcing that the plane had crashed. 
We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Three young singers who soared to the heights of show business on the current rock and roll craze were killed today in the crash of a light plane in an Iowa snow flurry. The singers were identified as Richie Valen, 17, Buddy Holly, 22, and J.P. Richardson, known professionally as the Big Bopper. The aircraft chartered from the Dwyer Flying Service crashed near Mason City, ironically the setting for the prominent musical The Music Man. The pilot, Roger Peterson of Clear Lake, Iowa, was also killed. The three singers had appeared at the surf ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa last night and were on their way to Fargo, North Dakota. Their small chartered plane crashed in a lonely farmyard about 15 miles northwest of Mason City. Cause of the crash was due to inclement weather conditions. Details upcoming from Action Central News. As the snow blew through the air, the small four-seat Beechcraft Bonanza took off just after 12.30 a.m. on February 3rd, 1959. According to the Civil Aeronautics Board report, after flying approximately five miles, the plane crashed into a farm field. The final report concluded that Roger Peterson, the 20-year-old who didn't have much experience flying in snowy storm weather, was too inexperienced to fly a craft in the snowy storm. The report showed no mechanical misfunction to the aircraft, so the only conclusion was that Peterson caused the crash. In a snowstorm, a pilot has to trust the instruments, for he wouldn't be able to see out the window of the craft. What they felt may have actually happened was that Peterson became confused reading the gyroscope, which operated in the opposite way on this type of aircraft. So he may have thought he was ascending when he was actually flying the plane into the ground. Great music is back. RememberThenRadio.com I think it's great. I love what you guys play. The best music around. Radio, the way you remember it. Getting back to Donna Ludwig, surprisingly, she tried her hand at a singing career and released two songs. Here is a portion of the first one entitled, Now That You're Gone, and a portion of the second song called, Lost Without You. Listen. Bye. 
month after Valens died, Marty Wilde, a recording artist in England, covered the song and it reached number three in the UK. Here is a portion of his version of Donna. Donna, Donna, Donna. I had a girl. Donna was her name. Since she's been gone, I've never been the same. Cause I love my girl. I hope you enjoyed this segment of the Anatomy of a Hit. This is Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris. Let's close with the song we have been, well, talking about in its entirety. It's Donna by Richie Valens. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.